I'm reading this morning from 1 Samuel chapter 23. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Kilah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kilah. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Kilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Kilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Kilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Kilah. When Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David to Kilah, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. Now it was told Saul that David had come to Kilah, and Saul said, God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Kilah to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Kilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Kilah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, Please tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Kilah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Kilah, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kilah, he gave up the expedition. And David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. Thank you, Val. Well, good morning. And happy Mother's Day. A little shout out to my mom. Love you, mom. She listens on the internet. Je t'aime. My mother's French. So, a little bit for her. I uh, heard a heartwarming story of a young 15-year-old teenager who, after football practice and, and doing stuff at school, he got home and it was dinner time. And his mom usually made dinner uh, for him and, and uh, for the family. And uh, she was nowhere to be found. So, he was starving and ran up the stairs uh, to find his mom, and, and uh, she was in bed. And he got a concerned look on his face, and, Mom, are, are you doing all right? So, you know what, son, actually, I've, I've been a little under the weather today. I'm not feeling very well. And, and he, he had compassion on her, and he thought for a moment, and he just said, Hey, Mom, you know, I don't want you to worry about getting downstairs uh, for dinner. I'm, I'm, uh, I've been growing up now. And uh, I would be happy, I'd be happy to carry you uh, down the stairs and into the kitchen uh, for dinner. 
heartwarming. <laughs> Mothers are never off duty, are they? They're always, always involved in our lives. Their hearts and their minds are drawn to their children. And God has wired them up with this beautiful, nurturing nature uh, that cares deeply with an incredible love for their children. Mothers are oftentimes praying for their children because their children get involved in so many things that, that uh, make them a nervous wreck. Here's a prayer of a mother to God for protection. Lord, guide and protect my child when they are crossing the street, when they're stepping onto boats, when they're swimming in the ocean, when they're swimming in pools, when they're walking even near a pool, when they're standing on a subway. Lord, protect them from mosquito bites. When they step off of the boat, Lord, especially protect them when they're using mall restrooms, getting on and off escalators, Lord, when they're leaning against windows. Father, protect them when they are in parking lots, when they're riding Ferris wheels, roller coasters, log flumes, anything that's called Hell Drop or Tower of Terror. <laughs> Lord, protect them when they ride the Death Spiral Rock and Zero G-Roll featuring Aerosmith. And Father, please protect them when they are standing on any kind of balcony for the rest of their lives. Amen. Mothers never stop praying for their kids. I think what happens in this beautiful relationship is moms start to realize, you know what? I have nowhere else to go. I can't protect my children all the time. I can't watch over them. I can't be with them at every moment. And so we find our beautiful mothers on their knees praying for their kids. Especially, especially you Christian women, mothers. You turn with real dependence upon our Lord to say, Father, you've given me these beautiful children as a gift, and so I turn to you, the one who is really the protector of these children. This morning, as we turn to Samuel 23, we're, we're going to see David really start to transition in his life, spiritually. And we're going to see him start to, to draw near to God like these beautiful praying moms. Draw near to God seeking his guidance, seeking his help, realizing we have nowhere else to go. And I think this morning's section is a real example for us in drawing near to our Lord in prayer because he will respond to our cry. And he hears our voice. As we look at this section, you're going to see the Hebrew word yod, hand, seven times in, this, in these 14 verses. And obviously the author is trying to draw us to this place of recognizing this incredible hand of God that we have who walks with us, who guides us, who leads us, who directs us, who has a, has a strong hold upon us. And at the same time in this, in this section is, is a tension 
between which hand will we be led by? Which hand will we be influenced by? Which hand are we under? And I think the author is wanting to, to draw us near to the Lord that we would turn and be led by the powerful hand of God as we strive to follow in obedience, as we have nowhere else to go but into his loving arms and into the hand of the Lord, his strength. You know, it's interesting, as we're, as we're children, and I, I, I did this with my children for a lot of years, and, and they're sort of growing up and they don't do it as much, but the reality is when we're younger children, we're often reaching for the hand of our parents, and our parents have an outstretched hand reaching for us. And we're, we're grabbing there in, in the middle of a, of a parking lot, right, because cars back up and you want to make sure that they're not, they can't see them behind the car, so we grab their hand. My sons play uh, baseball at Milwaukee Park right here by Capitol High School. And there's a, there's a crosswalk that you enter into, but the, the problem is, is you've got cars parked here, and so you have to actually kind of step out, step out be, beyond the car to see if anybody's coming. Sort of a blind spot for drivers. It's, it's kind of crazy at times. And so with my two sons, we get there, and, and automatically as a dad, I'm you know, grabbing, especially my youngest son, Alex, his hand. And oftentimes he'll grab it, and we'll go across the street. A lot of times with my other hand, I'm like, hey, stop. You know, the cars are coming on. But just a little while ago, one of my sons, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, grab my hand. And, oh, I got it, Dad. I got it. And sure enough, he dashes out into the, into the crosswalk, and this car was coming fast. And it was the slamming on of brakes and the burnt rubber, and, and it just scared us to death. And next thing you know, he's grabbing my hand. <laughs> and we go across the street to go play baseball. I think the problem that we have as, as we grow, and even as we, we continue to walk in this journey with the Lord, is that we don't reach for his hand anymore. We think we can do this Christian life on our own. We think we've got it under control. I can run out into the street. It's all good. I'm growing up. I can do this Christian journey. And we don't reach for the Father's hand. And I just want to remind you of who we are. We are children of God. We are children of God. And we are dependent upon our Lord. And we need to come and and reach out and grab his loving hand, which is right there for us, and let him love us and lead us and direct us into that which is righteous and good and that which guides our life. Psalm 89 reminds us of this. The psalmist speaks of God. Your arm is endured with power, God. Your right hand is strong. And the voice of the Lord responds, saying this, I have found David, my servant. I have anointed him. And my hand will sustain him. God's promise. My hand will sustain him. 
And I know the Lord speaks the same words to us. My hand guides. My hand has strength. There is power in my leading. I love John 10, one of the most beautiful pictures of our salvation, about the good shepherd. And it says, here's what's true about you as children of God. If you are in my Father's grip, no one can take you out of his hand, his mighty hand. That's who our Lord is. He has a grip on us. He has our lives. May we reach out and grab his hand. The scene we enter into this morning is a, is a scene where battle is taking place. And what's happening is, is the Philistines, the great enemy of Israel, is going against the city of Calah. And they go and they're, they're attacking and taking from the threshing floors. The, the, a round area that was set up where the grain was tossed up and, and so you'd get the kernels and it was where all the food was, where all the grain was. So the enemy, the Philistines, are coming into a city of Israelites and basically they're taking their food. This is no little problem. If they take their food, the reality is they starve, they die. This is what they've been working on. The Philistines come to attack. It is not a little issue. And word gets to David, hey, the Philistines are attacking and taking the food from Calah. Now here's what I love about the progression of David's spiritual journey. And we're really going to see some incredible growth in his life. At this time, David is hiding out from Saul, right? So he's on the run. Saul's out to kill him. But at this time, what's the truth about who's the king? Saul's the king of Israel. Saul's the king of Israel. The Philistines are attacking an Israelite city. Where's Saul in the middle of this? He's preoccupied with killing his own people. He kills the high priest at Nob, and now he's going to go over to Kayla and, and come and, or now he's not going to go over there, he's trying to find David and wipe him out. But word comes to David, who's not the king yet, David, there's a problem. And here's what's really wonderful about David. I think we're starting to see a man who's been on the run, a man who's been living in fear, he's starting to trust and listen to the voice of God. And all of a sudden, he's taking on this incredible kingly responsibility. He's starting to transform. He's starting to be responsible for the kingdom work, like you and I are. God is using us for his kingdom work. David is starting to, to get a hold of that and grab a hold of the hand of God. We come to you, David. You're not the king yet, but we're telling you the problem. Obviously, they were starting to look to him as king. God's preparing him in the middle of the desert. And he's going to show up as this victor in the scene. And David's heart is one that responds. Even though this is Saul's responsibility. Look what verse 2 says. As David heard this, David inquired of the Lord. 
David hears the problem. He doesn't immediately like, all right, guys, let's go. Let's go take those guys out. The other thing he probably could have done is like, whoa, there's stuff going on in Kayla. Saul's going to find out, you know, that I'm there and he'll wipe us out. And so let's just run away further to another cave. Those are the two choices. He doesn't, he doesn't immediately just make a decision and go. And this is where some of the transition's coming in. And this is where I hope for us as, as a people of God that we're starting to, to see how to respond when we're faced with a, a, a real problem, when we, we have dilemma and we have struggle in our life. Right away, the immediate action is, and I will inquire of the Lord. He prayed. He prayed. He sought the Lord out. He hadn't really been doing that, had he? He'd been kind of living life on his own. He thought he could do the crosswalk just fine. He wasn't reaching out for the hand of God. But in this scene, God's getting a hold of him, starting to change his heart. He is becoming a man after God's heart, one who, who lives with a heart like God, which is, the, which is the desire of the Lord for us, that we would grow in and have a heart like his. And he reaches out his hand to God's powerful hand, and he prays. What are you guys in right now? What problem are you facing? What weighs heavy upon your soul? Oftentimes, our immediate action is let's do something real quick. And we do not wait upon the voice of the Lord. And we don't pray. David is learning, and I think you and I are learning. It's the only place we can go. And so he turns to the Lord. And I want you to look at the prayer. The prayer does he come to the Lord like, Oh, great Lord that thou art. How magnificent you are, almighty God. Let me beseech you with thy problem of the enemies and go on and on and pontificate. He just says, Lord, we got a problem. Should I go attack the Philistines? That's the prayer. That's the prayer. I don't know why, but sometimes we get in this mindset like we have to, we have to really, you know, handle prayer and use the right words to talk to God. And we got to have all the spiritual and the Christianese, and, and that's not the prayer at all. It's really a prayer of help and show me what to do. And it's right in the middle of the heat of the moment. Right at this very moment, I'm getting word the Philistines are taking the grain. And I just want to urge you, right in the middle of the moment, and it could be, it could be uh, one of the things we're learning you know, in the, in, when we have battles with our spouses, right in the middle of the moment, the heat. Lord, what's going on here? Give me your direction as we face the enemy. A lot of times there's a spiritual battle going on. Maybe you're at work and you're faced with a, with a situation that's like, you know what, either way I go, it seems like I'm going to lose. But Lord, show me. 
I want to be living in obedience. I'm reaching out for your hand. Lead me. David prays. And it's not this lengthy prayer. It's just, Lord, help. Help. And God responds. And God responds. His question is this. Lord, what should I do? Shall I attack the Philistines? Attack is not quite a strong enough word. He actually uses the word smite. Shall I smite the Philistines? That, that has the idea of, hey, Lord, should I nuke these guys? Should I take them out? You want me to go and wipe them out? That, that tells me a couple things. It tells me that David is starting to get to that place again like he was with Goliath. Hey, how dare you mock the living God, you uncircumcised Philistine. I will take you out. I think he's starting to depend on God again. You know what, God? You have power. You have power to deliver me into victory over the enemy. God, should I go and smite the Philistines? Should I take them out totally? It's the same word that we see when God says in the flood, I will no longer smite my people. I won't wipe them out like I did in the flood. It's a powerful word. It's David depending on the power of God to totally crush the enemy. And God's answer is this. Go and deliver the people. Go and save the people. You now, David, as you're learning to trust in me, I am going to use you now to go and save the people. That is the character of who I am. I am the one who saves, and I will send the one who saves. David always is a type of Christ, a, re, a reflection, a foreshadowing of who Christ is, who the Messiah is to come. Go and save my people, David. I'm going to use you. Here's my answer, and it's a simple answer from the Lord. Yeah, go and do it. And it's living in the power of God in the battle of the enemy. Exodus 14, the Lord says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Go and save your people like I did, delivering Israel out of Egypt. In the heat of the battle, would you pray that prayer to God? What should I do, God? And wait for his voice. You know, sometimes you go, wait a second. I ask him, I don't hear anything. I don't get this voice back from God. I don't get any response. He may be asking you to wait. He may be letting you face some of the pressures. But God will respond. And I think the question that falls on us often is, am I letting just my busyness of life Am I letting just my, my self-confident, assured way, like, I can fix this? Am I really allowing myself to hear from the Lord what he needs to say to me? You see, the promise of Jesus is, I've left you with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit counsels us. 
gives us response, direction. It's the power of God. Lord, what should I do? Let the Spirit minister to you. We are never still very often in this culture of ours, but be still and know that he is God. Be still and listen and let him respond to you. He wants to minister to you. He wants you to reach out for his hand and let him guide you. And when you have to wait, the promise of God is this. I will give you a peace that surpasses all your understanding. That's my promise unto you. Sometimes we wait. In this case, God responds right away. Go and save them. You will face your enemy and you will have victory. You will face the enemy and you will have victory. Who's the enemy for you right now? Maybe it is some sort of addiction that you've just been battling with. It's a real enemy in your life. And you've been afraid to go into battle against it because you just feel like you lose every time. Something I just want to remind you of today. You are children of God. The power of the Holy Spirit dwells within you. You have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You have victory because of his death on the cross and his resurrection. You have victory over your enemy. He is your right hand. He is the strong one. He is the deliverer. Go to battle. Go to battle. He will deliver you. Whatever that enemy is, let him deliver you. He knows, he knows when we face our enemy, whatever degree that is, again, addictions, things at work, friends, uh, you know, again, in our marriages, sometimes we just, we're just battling out. He knows, as we go into battle against the enemy, that there will be fear for us. And this is what's really cool in this chapter. Verse 3, he comes, he comes, David shows up to his guys, and he says, hey, listen, we're going to go, we are going to uh, attack the Philistines. God said, God said we're going to win, we're going to save the people, so let's go. You ready? Now, you've got to understand something. He's got 600 guys, it's just this ragtag group of guys. This, this, is, no, this is no stunning army that, that's well-trained and has all this strength. Some of them will become mighty warriors, but they're not at that place yet. So you got, you got 600 guys. Most of them are running in fear for their life. They're hiding out with David because they're fearful like David is, that they're going to get nuked by, by Saul. And so David, their leader, comes and says, Listen, God told me. Let's go. And the guys say, Listen, you know, we already moved to a closer cave in town here, and we're a lot closer to Saul than we like. And so we're already afraid right here. If we go over to Kayla, uh, that's a scary spot because we know we're out in the open. Saul's going to know where we're at, and we're probably going to be done for. And we heard about what's going on at Nob, and those guys are getting wiped out. 
So you understand the fear. And so when David hears the fear, does he say this? Hey, man up, you girly men. Let's go. Does the Hans and Franz, we'll pump you up. Let's do it. Does he say that? No. Here's something that's cool about what's going on with David. And, and, and here's something I hope for us as a body of believers as we come along each other's side, I hope that we start to enter into. What David does is he just, he acknowledges the fear. He acknowledges the fear. And he validates them. He doesn't just get all over them. How dare you be afraid? And you know what's the truth? God doesn't do that to us. He doesn't mock us, make fun of us when we're afraid. He understands the fear when we face our enemy. So, where does David go? The next scripture says, next verse says, And so David went again unto the Lord and inquired of the Lord, Lord, shall we go and do this? I'm sure David is still wrestling a little bit with his fear, but he's really starting to depend on the Lord. He's reaching out for that right hand of God. And he comes back with an answer. Listen. God said, we will have victory. And he's starting to lead his men out of fear. Again, understanding how afraid they are. A ragtag group of guys who's going to face the most powerful army in the world. It's like, it's like my, our Coal Valley uh, Christian junior high football team. Great team of guys, right? It's like, hey boys, today... Today, we, we get to go, and we're going to play the Green Bay Packers. All right? And we're going to have victory today. Now, if I'm a betting man, I think I'm putting my money on the Packers. But do you understand something? Empowered by the Lord, facing the greatest army of the world, the enemy, God says, I will deliver you. What enemy are you facing Are you letting God empower you to face your enemy? Are you reaching out for his right hand? You will go and you will have victory. You will save your people. You will save them like I saved you out of Israel. Even though fear has settled in, David's developing good leadership. And David is growing in the desert, isn't he? And he's understanding the fear. And it's this beautiful moment where David, who was on the run, who, who ran to Nob and, and made up this whole story about a secret mission because he was afraid. David, who ran down to Gath and acted like a crazy man, drooling at the mouth and his spittle coming down his beard. And I'm crazy because he's scared. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, David is leading his men out of fear. Isn't that beautiful? Do you see the work that God can do within us when you let him transform your life? When you, when you reach out your hand to his powerful right hand? We grow. David is growing. You know what? We mature. We mature and we trust in the power of God. 
We are growing. We're being sanctified, being set apart unto the Lord. And as we continue to, to walk with Christ, we should be seeing growth. We should be maturing. We should see the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness and, and peace and kindness and self-control. These things should start playing out into our lives. We should be trusting in God more and more because we've seen His faithfulness over the years. David is growing, and so should we be as followers of Jesus Christ. Because God is working on us, and He's making us into His image. He's conforming us into His image. And in the middle of the desert, we grow the most, James says, knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. God's growing us up. And he's growing David up. And I think the reason that David is growing is because he's finally surrendered to God's will and to God's work in his life. Isn't that our biggest problem? We really do think we're okay. We think we got it handled. And we don't let God do his work that he needs to do in us. And I think David became a great king and a great leader because he finally learned to surrender. A man who was running on in fear is now leading his men out of fear. That's a huge transition. It's strange for us to admit that we're growing. We feel like, well, it's prideful. You know, it's, it's strange to admit personally that we're growing up. I look, I look at myself in the mirror and I go, oh my gosh, look at all this gray hair that's going on. And I'm like, there's, there's a little extra love over here, you know, on the sides. And I think about my life and I'm like, I'm a father, I'm a father of three kids, three boys. I've been married 22 years. I, I have the responsibility. I'm a, I'm a pastor and an elder of this church. I'm leading this marriage ministry. I have a lot of responsibility. And I look at myself and I, I go, I guess I'm a real adult. You know? I, I tell you what, I, I, I just feel so often that I'm still in college. I mean, mentally, I'm just like there. And I'm like, I'm never really an adult. But the truth is, I'm, I'm growing up. I am a real adult. And God has given me a lot of responsibility. And it's okay to say, you know what, I'm growing up. It's actually good to acknowledge that you're growing up. And to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing in my life. All of our boasting of anything that's happening in our growth that's our boasting in the Lord, right? He's the one doing the work. But it's good for you to reflect sometimes and go, yeah, cool. You know what? Instead of getting angry in this situation, I actually was calm. And I said, Lord, you got this situation. My typical mood was, hey, I'm going to attack back or I'm going to get upset about this. I actually, I actually had peace. Thank you, Lord. I'm growing up. Thank you for your peace. All glory to you, Father. David is growing up, and you know what? You and I can and should in the strength of the Lord and as he's doing his work in us. 
And we boast in him and we learn to trust in him. And David's learning to respond in obedience. God says, go, I am giving them into your hand, David, which is really God's hand, and you will have victory over them. Psalm 21 says, your hand will lay hold on all of your enemies, God, and your right hand will seize your foes. David, in obedience, as he's learning to trust God, as he's learning to turn to him, goes in obedience. And what's the outcome of the obedience? T-bone stakes. T-bone stakes. He gets an incredible victory over the Philistines. And what does he get? He gets all their cattle. And I guarantee you they celebrate it. You're messing with the people of God. And I come in the power of God against my enemy, and God has said, I will have victory, and I did. All power and glory to God. And David delivered them. He saved them like Christ saves us. God's promises are kept. You know, it's interesting. I think chronologically, this scene where the Philistines are attacking, where the Philistines are attacking in Calah, and where the priests are getting attacked in Nob, I think that's pretty much happening at the same time. And so when you, when you hear, because Abiathar comes running, he comes fleeing from Nob to David at Calah. When you, when you hear of this incredible cruelty, this evil that Jackson taught us about last week, and you go, it seems like God's losing the battle here. Evil is winning. You can't miss the big picture about the hand of God. And over here, I am saving my people out of death, out of destruction. I am delivering them. God's hand is always, always more powerful than the hand of the enemy. And in this case, it's Saul, and in this case, it's the Philistines. God's hand is always more powerful than the hand of the enemy. See, Saul says, hey, looks like God has delivered David into my hand. What what an absolute lie. Saul is nowhere near God, by the way. Saul is doing nothing but believing the enemy, who is the father of lies. The enemy, who from the get-go thought he could be as powerful as God, thought his hand could be as strong, never, never. I'm going to go and I'm going to wipe out David. He's been delivered into my hand. What foolish thinking when God's hand this whole time is upon David. And so David responds, and when he hears of the attack that's about to come, what does he do again? He inquires of the Lord. Hey, God, I heard that Saul is looking after me. He's coming after me. Is that true? Is he going to come and attack? Again, simple prayer. God, what's he doing? Yeah, he will come and attack. The second part of the prayer is this. Hey, God, if he does come, will the people of Kayla hand me over? Will they betray me? Yeah they will hand you over. Even though 
you have saved them. And Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. And he took the twelve disciples aside and he said to them, We're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed. He will be turned over to the chief priests and to the teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death, and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Even though you save them, they will betray you. But here's the truth. You will have victory over the enemy. You have victory over death. God has victory over sin. He died on the cross for our sin. Even though we betrayed him, he came to save us and we put him on the cross. But he will rise again on that third day. Don't you know that if we've died with Christ, surely we have been raised with him? Don't you understand the power of God, the hand of God in our lives? When we have enemies that we face, when things are upside down, that we turn in prayer to our Lord and say, God, help. I need your hand, your powerful hand, to lead me here. Show me what to do. Remind me that you give me victory over the enemy. This section finishes up. It says, David went with his men and they went to all these different places. Saul was looking after him day after day. The enemy wanted to destroy him. But how does it end up? Look what it says in 14. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. Why? Because God's hand was upon him. Let's pray. Father, your hand is powerful. Your beautiful, protecting hand that has us in your grip. And Father, I just pray for us as a people that we would, we would reach out and grab a hold of your hand, Father, that we would no longer live in fear of the enemy, whatever that enemy looks like for us right now. Father, help us to reach out and to trust you and to go in your strength. And Father, thank you that you give us victory over the enemy who tries to destroy us. And thank you, Father, that you don't... You don't uh, make fun of us or don't mock us when we're afraid, but that you give us strength through the power of your right hand. We acknowledge you as a people, Father, that you are our Lord and Savior. And we surrender our lives to you today. Thank you that you lead us with your hand. Amen.